Aloha. Welcome to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but nothing replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we're going to be talking about an amazing story, a 10-year celebration anniversary of a liver transplant that took place at UCSF. And this is with one of my good friends that I really enjoy uh, spending time with. It is her sister, uh, Jeannie Clendenen, and her daughter, Elizabeth DeCrosta. And about 10 years ago, something happened that resulted in an amazing opportunity to have a living donor and have her mom receive part of her liver to provide the opportunity for her mom to have a liver transplant. And so in honor of their 10-year anniversary of this date of having the transplant, we wanted to discuss with them the actual ins and outs of what it's like to be sick enough to need a transplant, but then also how to recover after that and have a wonderful, fulfilling life and spend time with grandchildren, etc. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Jeannie and Liz. You're welcome. Welcome. Hi. Jeannie, now you spent many years here, directly here in the islands, with a good friend of mine, Roseanne. And you guys are sisters and have always been so supportive of one another. And you've also worked as a nurse for many, many years at one of our medical centers, But the time came when you were sick enough that you needed to look at a liver transplant. Tell me how that felt physically for you to know enough about medicine to know that there are some serious medical conditions that you're dealing with, but then also be a patient at the very same time. Yeah, it was a little hard to accept. (laughs) Um, I um, had been having problems with bleeding on and off and had multiple tests and um, um, it took a really long time to figure out what was wrong with me. Um, But once I knew what was wrong um, and knowing that a liver transplant was going to be the next thing that was going to help me, um, I was raring to go. (laughs) Now, when you first found out that you needed to have a liver transplant, was the opportunity there for your family to be tested, or was that something that was discussed later? I mean, I know that, you know, in a lot of cases, people wait for a match for their particular blood type or for other elements of what needs to be matched, whether it be a kidney transplant or a liver transplant, was the first thing that came to you, the idea of doing a live living donor transplant? Was that an initial option presented? Um, no. Um, so I had had to, um, locally, I um, had to get my local doctors to refer me to UCSF because um, they needed to know my exact diagnosis, and so they wanted to do a laparoscopic liver biopsy there, and uh, went there and had it done. And the, when I met with the surgeon afterwards, he told me um, that the waiting list was 36 greater than 36 months for a liver transplant at UCSF. 
and that I would not have survived that three plus years. Wow. So he told me that um, the best option for me was a living donor. Um, wow. So you were so told the, top- the list is long enough and you may not live long enough to get to the top of that list. Wow. Correct. Correct. I had really bad encephalopathy, um, which actually kind of was a blessing in disguise because with that, I really just felt like I wanted to sleep all the time. (laughs) And I did. I slept a lot. Um, So I I was kind of in a blissful state. (laughs) Um, Blissful, but quite ill. Okay. All right. Uh Yes. And initially, my niece had offered to be my living donor, but um, prior to any testing, she had gotten into grad school, which she had, you know, obviously try really hard to get into the school you wanted. She got into the school she wanted and had to back out. So then, well, so go ahead. I, I that was un, unbeknownst to me that she had offered. Um, so that was even before anyone said to me, "Hey, do you want to do it?" I was in New Orleans at the time. Um, I was, you know, you were in maybe, school yourself too, Liz, weren't you? No, no, I had graduated, but okay. I was working and um, just trying to, you know, make my way as a 20-something living on their own, uh, you know, half a world away from home. Um, so I I was, um, I think um, mom kind of only shared with me what she chose to, just to kind of, she didn't want me to worry about it. Um so when I had heard that my cousin um, offered, I was kind of like, hey, stop me on my toes. <laughs> like, um, let me be the first to offer. Um, but, yeah, so she, she eventually um, kind of withdrew her offer, obviously, because she got into grad school and she's, you know, succeeding in her field now because of it. Um, but, yeah, I, I was, uh, so I was like, I'll, I'll do it, <laughs> kind of. Kind of like a duh situation. But like, you were young. Gonna... You, you were 27. And ironically, there's something special about that age. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, the this entire process started, you know, maybe a year and a half before, you know, the surgery even happened. But um, just about five days after the surgery, um, I turned, or I'm sorry, five days before the surgery, uh, was my 27th birthday. And that was the same age that my mom was when she gave birth to me. Um, so it, it was a bit of a, a rebirth <laughs> for, for both of us, in a way, um, a fun little irony. Uh, yeah. That it is. It's, you know, a lot of times kids always wonder, how can they ever repay their parents for all they ever did to raise them. And boy, you, you've put me to shame. <laughs> I, hope, I hope my family doesn't hear this and think, guess what she did. But uh, that's certainly a, a unique aspect of it. So when you decided, Liz, that you were going to be a candidate for being a donor, what sort of concerns 
did you have about the whole process? I mean, I can only imagine there's your mom, who's a nurse, in the medical profession, and you were not necessarily in the medical profession, and you were now being tasked with, hey, you volunteered, you want to do this great service for your mom. I'm sure you had some worries and concerns. What were some of the thoughts that went through your head back then? Um, well, at the time, it was mostly just trying to figure out the timing of it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it, it took, you know, it wasn't, you know, we just went and said, hey, we want to do this live donor thing. They're like, okay, we'll sign you up. You know, it took at least a year to get approval from insurance companies and from the hospital and from, you know, for all of the pieces to fit together for us to even get a green light. So by the time, you know, it was like, okay, get on a plane and go to San Francisco, um, I was like, all right, let's, is this really going to happen or is this actually going to go through? Um, but at, I was just more worried about um, getting it done in, in time. You know, as my mom mentioned, time was not on her side. Um, so I was just kind of like, I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. You know, just tell me where to be and I'll be there. Um, of course, you know, my work was uh, my, my job. I, I worked in uh, child care at the time was very flexible and allowed me to go and I had to go two times uh, to San Francisco, one for the initial meeting um, and then the second time to do a whole host of uh, physical and uh, psychological testing um, and then eventually go back for the surgery itself and take three months off to recover. Um, but at the time, I I wasn't so much worried about my physical, how it would impact my physical well-being afterward. I knew I would have a, a fun new scar. Um, and that was pretty much all I really thought about. Um, but they also put me in touch with people who had had the surgery done. Um, so I got to connect with, with folks who had been through the process and... Um, they were very reassuring. So I was also just thinking, am I going to pass all these tests, right? They do echocardiograms for your heart. They do CT scans of all your organs and stress tests and, you know, blood tests and stool samples and urine samples. And, you know, they make you meet with a psychiatrist and you get asked, Hundreds of times, you know, it's illegal to buy and sell organs in the United States. No one's forcing you to do this, right? <laughs> um, making sure that you're you're doing this for the right reasons and nobody's either, like I said, forcing you to do it or you're being coerced into doing it. Um, you're doing it because you want to. Um, so I was just kind of at the time thinking, like, I hope they pick me. You know, <laughs> I hope they say it's okay. Um, 
and they just, did. And just when you thought you didn't have to pass any more tests, right. here you are having to pass some more exams. I'm Dr. Yeah. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue this incredible journey hearing from a 10-year anniversary of a mother and daughter who provided, her daughter provided a live living donor liver transplant for her mom. And we're going to talk more about that process and what that's like and the importance of having that group support that sounds like they really helped along the educational process for Liz so that she could feel more comfortable giving an amazing gift for her mom. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we are hearing from Jeannie Clenenden and her daughter, Elizabeth DeCrosta, and they are celebrating a 10-year anniversary of having had a live living donor liver transplant from daughter to mom that took place 10 years ago at UCSF. And we're hearing about that whole process in celebration of their 10-year anniversary, but also just to highlight the great opportunities, even locally right here in the islands, for transplant for those people who unfortunately are sick enough to need it. But it is something that can be life-saving. Right before the break, we were talking to Liz. You were mentioning that you had to go there to UCSF, and you had an extremely long battery of tests that were done. Not just did they want to make sure that you were physically healthy, but they also wanted to make sure that you were psychologically healthy and aware of the donation process. You mentioned that you were able to speak to other people who had been through that process. And I'm always curious, when you think back to having that opportunity to have that support from other people who have been there and done that. You know, I always think that's such an incredible way to hear about what it's like firsthand. I mean, doctors, we can tell people a lot of different things about what to expect, but we haven't felt it ourselves in most situations. And that that sounds like whatever information they were able to share with you probably had a huge impact. Is that right? Yeah, so I spoke with uh, two people, uh, one woman who was uh, a wee bit older than me, probably in her early 30s, um, who was actually um, pregnant uh, at the time, maybe a year post-transplant, and then a young man who was uh, a wee bit younger than me, um, who had done it for his father, and they both just shared about their experience and um, were just said how kind of, it sounds, you know, maybe a little odd, but easy it was. Um, <laughs> you know, afterwards they were like, yeah, I really didn't have that much of a recovery. And it was more of a recovery for their recipients and how they needed to be a support for their recipients. Um, but that it was a bit kind of a breeze for them and they're back living their lives. And um, as I mentioned, the one woman was pregnant with her first child. Um, so just uh, knowing that people had gone through it and were, you know, out the other side living their best lives was um, a reassurance for me. And also the hospital itself has a um, support group for pre- and post-op patients um, that I know my mom and I found very helpful and supportive and um, we 
have family in the area, so we've been back to San Francisco several times after the surgery, and so each time we go, we make it a point to go visit Nine Long and um, try to get into one of those support group meetings and kind of share our story with those folks, the people who have been on the, you know, waiting for transplants to know that, you know, everything, you know, hopefully everything's going to be okay and, you know, you're in good hands. What a wonderful testament that you were able to go back to the facility and be part of that support group, just like people had helped you as well. Jeannie, I'm curious. We've just heard Liz say that, you know, her recovery was probably nowhere near as difficult as your recovery because you were sick and ill to begin with, and then the transplant was going to help you. What was that process like? I mean, you were probably in the hospital for quite a while, and you had to stay outside of Hawaii, where you were living at the time. You were spending a lot of time maybe with some family in San Francisco. How was the recovery? Um, I had had some complications. Um, So initially, I was discharged on day eight, um, which seemed pretty amazing. But, you know, they want to get you out of the hospital as soon as possible and get you up walking and... Um, I was very uh, swollen. I had gained a lot of weight from all the fluids in the operating room, and um, I still had some drains in me. And um, but initially, I did okay. But the first, maybe the first time I had to go back in, we had to go back twice a week for labs. Um, the very first time I went in, my liver enzymes were extremely elevated, like through the roof, like over 2,000. Um, and normally they're around like, you know, 35 to or, uh, 18, 35 to 40 at the most. Um, so I had to come back in and have some biopsies done, um, but they didn't show that I was rejecting the organ. So um, it took a while to figure this out, but it was a medication I was on that was causing my enzymes to shoot up like that. So gradually, over about a six-week period, they um, stopped all my meds and then restarted them one at a time to figure out which med it was. And then we finally figured it out, and I had to substitute that med with a different med. And so that was resolved but then I um I lost my appetite (laughs) um and I had to have a feeding tube for about six weeks and that was a little difficult because it was over Thanksgiving and Christmas (laughs) all the food holidays right where you unfortunately can't partake because it's not something you're able to do right okay (laughs) Um, and then I also um, had a wound infection. Just uh, actually, it wasn't it wasn't a um, bacterial infection. Well, it it was just because blood had collected under my incision, and that blood became infected. Um, so I had to have my wound reopened, and then we had to do um, dressing changes. Um, and we had to 
stay there in San Francisco for three months. So before the surgery, you have to sign a contract saying, you know, you're going to stay here and you're going to come to all your post-op visits and get all your lab work done. And um, so we were very close to the hospital and um, I had home health nurses coming to help me. And then my daughter and um, my family members who took turns coming to take care of both of us um, were very helpful with all of that. And gradually um, I you know, was able to come back to Hawaii. So after three months, I was able to come back to Hawaii, but then I needed a lot of physical therapy. Um, well, it sounds like the journey was not the straight line that everybody had hoped for, but certainly with all the twists and turns, you were eventually able to come back home to the islands. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. When we come back, we're going to continue this wonderful story of a 10-year anniversary of a mother-daughter duo who decided to provide a life-saving opportunity of having a live liver transplant that was able to help both parties, in particular to help mom to deal with some serious medical conditions. And we're going to talk some more about the process of transplant. It sounds scary, but sometimes it's the best thing that someone can do. And what an amazing life-saving gift. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Native Books and PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome back to The Body Show. Today we're talking with Jeannie Clenenden and Elizabeth DeCrosta, and this is a mother-daughter amazing duo. Mom needed a liver transplant, and her daughter stepped up and said, I am going to be a living donor. And now, 10 years later, we're celebrating their anniversary after a decade of amazing recovery. And Liz, you now have three gorgeous little children that you are taking care of, and and Jeannie, you're helping to raise those beautiful grandchildren of yours. And it's all due to the fact that when you got super, super sick and you needed some help, as always, your family, incredible story, had stepped up and your daughter said, I will be your liver transplant donor. Now, right before the break, we talked a little bit about some of the twists and turns of your recovery, Jeannie. How long did it take you to kind of get back to feeling a little bit more like yourself? Um, I'd say about six to nine months. Um, and had you expected it to take about that long? No, I I was thinking it'd be a little faster, but I do remember that beforehand, because I had had encephalopathy, I kind of didn't think about the afterwards. I <laughs> I just had this feeling that everything was going to go fine and um, everything was going to be okay, but I never really thought about um, the recovery part. <laughs> I guess this was a blessing in disguise. You're the only person I ever know who's ever said, you know, encephalopathy that kind of worked out because that's not usually what I hear from, from most folks. But 
let's let's walk forward a little bit further. So now it's it's ten years since you've had the liver transplant, and you mentioned immediately after the transplant you had a medication side effect, and those liver enzymes had gone up really high. Prior to the transplant, you had had some bleeding issues because the liver actually is involved with some of what we call the coagulation factors. That means that it helps to make sure that your blood actually clots if you have a cut or you have some kind of a problem. So you had a lot of issues prior to that. And then after that, it seems like you've had an amazing recovery. Have you had any other setbacks related to your liver transplant in the last 10 years? No, not at all. I, my enzymes have been normal, and um, after a while, your lab work doesn't have to be done as often, um, but it still has to be done, you know, for long term, every three months. And I've always had normal liver enzymes, and my other coagulation studies are normal. So I've been really um, grateful and blessed that that's been the case. And Liz, have you had any troubles yourself knowing that, you know, you gave a lobe of your liver to your mom? Did you ever have any complications or difficulties after that? Uh, no, they're, they did know, like, I can't remember what the circumstance was that I just happened to, like, you know, fall into a CT machine. Um <laughs> But they did note that, like, my liver was a little larger than normal. <laughs> wow. It, like, like overgrew. Well, okay. It had to grow back. Um, so maybe it just got really excited about it. Um, but, no, I haven't had any, you know, issues with my liver or um, one of the, you know, when you go through the living donor uh, kind of, you know, process that I was mentioning earlier when they give you a list of all the things that could go wrong, right, that could happen to you or things that have noted. Um, and one of them was, you know, we're not quite sure, but it could somehow impact your fertility. But obviously, that wasn't the case for me. Um, I've had three children and I've yeah, been, been doing pretty well. I think that's amazing. You know, a lot of people don't realize the liver does have the ability to regenerate. And in your case, it got super excited about healing and grew <laughs> even a little larger, yeah. which... Your liver it, and your skin. Your it's liver and your skin. Yes, the organs that can regenerate. You're absolutely right. And so it's amazing that people wind up being able to live with being the donor. And then also, uh, you know, Jeannie, you were the recipient and that... The lobe of the liver that you have may have also grown so that it can handle some of the processes that the liver does in the body. Now, we have just a couple of minutes left. If you had anyone, and you maybe you have had people in these support groups who have asked you, you know, what would be the best advice for somebody who might be thinking of being a living donor for their loved one or relative, and they have a little hesitation or they're concerned about how recovery could go, Liz, what advice would you give them? Um, I, I think, well, hopefully whatever, you know, hospital they're working with, they should have a lot of resources available to, like we mentioned, um, folks to talk to uh, just to get an idea of what it's like. Um, and 
just the idea. I, I don't think it hit me until, you know, they were putting me under anesthesia. I was like, oh, this is actually happening. Um, that you're going under seems scary, but, you know, you're doing it for all the right reasons. Um, and there's, there's a bit of, um, uh, I can't think of the word, but, you know, I don't know why I'm thinking nobility, but like you, you're doing it for no, a noble reason. Um, you're doing it to help hopefully save someone's life. Um, but also that there are so many um, organizations and um, people out there who are willing to help. We actually also got uh, some financial assistance from a nonprofit organization to help with our living expenses and um, food and uh, transportation. So if you think it, you can't do it for certain reasons like those, um, there are organizations out there who are um, more than willing to provide us. Well, I want to thank both of you for sharing your stories today with us on The Body Show. An amazing story of a local woman who has raised her daughter here, who came back to help her live longer by providing a living liver donor opportunity and transplant for her mom. If you want to hear the show again, you can click on our podcast. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week right here on The Body Show.